Welcome to the Mind Body Breakthroughs podcast, where we bring you amazing guests on the cutting edge of science, health, and business each week to share strategies that you can use to get the breakthrough you're looking for in your life. I'm your host, Dr. Nevada Gray. Joining me is my co-host, Chris Donahue. We're glad that you're joining us today. If you are enjoying our podcast, we invite you to hit the subscribe button and leave us a review. We love hearing from you. The views expressed on the Mind Body Breakthroughs podcast are the opinions of the hosts and guests and are not to be taken as medical advice, as the hosts and guests do not provide medical care. Information is provided for educational purposes only. You should consult your medical provider in relation to your own personal health and prior to making any changes in your diet and fitness. Amy Berger is a U.S. Air Force veteran and certified nutrition specialist who specializes in helping people do keto without the crazy. She has a master's degree in human nutrition and writes about a wide range of health and nutrition-related topics, such as insulin, metabolism, weight loss, diabetes, thyroid function, and more. She has presented internationally on these issues and is the author of The Alzheimer's Antidote and The Stall Slayer, and most recently, End Your Carb Confusion with Dr. Eric Westman. Dr. Westman is an Associate Professor of Medicine at Duke University. He is board certified in obesity medicine and internal medicine and founded the Duke Keto Medicine Clinic in 2006 after eight years of clinical research regarding low-carbohydrate ketogenic diets. He is a past president and master fellow of the Obesity Medicine Association and fellow of the Obesity Society. He is an editor of the textbook Obesity, Evaluation and Treatment Essentials, and co-author of the books Cholesterol Clarity, Keto Clarity, and the New York Times bestseller, The New Atkins for a New You. He is co-founder of Adapt Your Life, an education and product company based on low-carbohydrate concepts. We hope you enjoy today's episode, and as always, subscribe and leave us a review. We love hearing from you, and don't forget to share with a friend who may find value. Amy Berger and Dr. Eric Westman, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. How are you guys? Great. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Yeah, you're doing well. Thanks for having us. Yes, it's an absolute pleasure. And you guys are very popular. Uh, when I posted on my social media that I was interviewing you, we were flooded with questions, which we will get to. Uh, for those of our audience members that may not know who you are, can you briefly introduce yourselves and how you have come to work together? Yeah, so I'm Dr. Eric Westman. I'm an a professor at Duke University in Durham, North Carolina. I've been in Durham for 30 years now, hard to believe. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I am trained in internal medicine and learned through my patients that they could change their food and fix all of their internal medicine problems. So for me, 20 years ago, two of my patients did uh, what was called at the time the Atkins diet. And they lost all this weight. And they came to me and told me the, 
what they did and I thought it was bad, couldn't be good. And but I learned a little more about it and and took a trip up to Dr. Atkins' office on his uh, offer. And now, 20 years later, the research that we helped to start 20 years ago has shown that it's a great thing to do. Now, we call it different things along the way. And in this book, End Your Carb Confusion, we're really putting together you know, 20, 30 years of science, but putting it in terms that the layperson can understand. So really, this is kind of like a culmination of 20 years of research that, that we've done at Duke and putting it in language that can be helpful for just about anyone. Yeah, for me, um, I, you know, Dr. Westman came into it professionally and I'm, I'm a professional nutritionist now, but my beginning in this was personal. I, I used to be heavier than I am now and I didn't really have any health problems. I was just overweight and I was overweight despite doing plenty of exercise and eating what I thought was a good diet. And I too stumbled upon the Atkins diet. That was my entry into all this. And, um, it worked, you know, it was, it was so different from what I thought I was supposed to do, but I had tried everything I was supposed to do and nothing worked. So I took the risk and it worked and I was so fascinated by, you know, why and how is this working? I'm doing what I'm doing everything quote unquote wrong, right? Why is this working? And so I just started reading more books about it and reading some of the research, including some of Dr. Westman's papers, you know, in the early days. And I, I was in and out of a lot of jobs that I was unsatisfied by. And I realized one day like, oh, nutrition is a career. I could do that and I could help other people learn about this awesome way of eating. So that's what I do now. I'm a nutritionist and a, and a writer. And I've always said that over the years that I've learned about this, even though I came into it personally for weight loss, what, what I mean, all three of us, what we've learned about it now, we could all say it's so powerful for so many really debilitating health issues that you you could say that weight loss is one of the the most minor things that it does for people you know compared to things like literally reversing type 2 diabetes reversing pcos getting completely rid of heartburn oh and you you might also lose a few pounds along the way yes and you two have written a wonderful book i have read it and I absolutely loved it. It's called End Your Carb Confusion. And there's so much that I appreciate, appreciate about this book. As many people first learned about low carb through Dr. Atkins, I know I personally did the Atkins diet um, in the 90s, and that's how I learned about low carb. And I, what I love about your book is it's easy to understand, uh, very simple. It validates the reader that they're not alone in their metabolic struggles in their obesity, in their food addiction. It provides applicable strategies. And also it shows that you can enjoy food um, when you understand how carbohydrates work in our body. And it also can be affordable and sustainable uh, for people to be able to do this. For our listeners, I just wanted to start by laying a foundation um, for what exactly is a carbohydrate? How does it work in our body? And what is the difference between a low-carb and ketogenic diet? Right now with keto and low-carb mainstream, there's so much information out there, which can be a good thing, but it, it can also be a negative in terms of the overwhelm that people that are new to learning about this 
face as far as obtaining credible information. And I was wondering if you could start by setting that foundation for our listeners. Sure. You know, in a clinic with real people for 20 years in North Carolina, I've had to explain and help people of all sorts of of, uh, educational levels, of socioeconomic status levels. And um, what we try to do is explain at the level where someone is. In fact, you can read this book, get a list of foods. You don't even have to know what a carbohydrate is. It's that, so the way we teach it is that here are the foods that you can eat. So if you want to know what it is, we go into that detail. So some, some people come to me and just say, tell me what to eat. So here you go. You don't have to know. What so, but in the simplest form, a carbohydrate is either sugar or starch. And most people understand the sugar idea. Okay, sugar, you drink sugar, it raises the blood sugar. And the bottom line is we want to lower the things in the diet that raise the blood sugar. So sugar in the food, sugar in the drinks raises the blood sugar. Most people understand that. Okay, great. Well, and even a lot of people's health will be improved if you just stop drinking sugar. (laughs) But to do keto or to go really down on the carbs so that you become a fat burner and access your fat body store, you have to understand that starches get digested to sugar very easily in our body. So that a potato, pasta, bread, rice, these starches really are just sugars all connected and they get digested to sugar and raise the blood sugar, just like drinking or eating sugar itself. So, you know, you don't have to know what a carbohydrate is. We we won't make you take a quiz at the end of the book. But if you want to know, it's really anything that has sugar or starch in it. And we don't want to raise blood sugar because raising the blood sugar raises the insulin and raising the insulin causes all of these inflammation cascades and also helps you gain weight. So, uh, but that's what a carbohydrate is, a sugar or a starch. I mean, at, at the risk of overcomplicating things, carbohydrates are also in things that we don't typically think of as a sugar or starch like broccoli and lettuce, but those kind of non-starchy green vegetables and and what we think of as vegetables that grow above the ground rather than like starchy roots like potatoes that grow underground, the things that grow above ground are carbohydrate, but they're very, very low in total carbohydrate. They're mostly water, they're mostly fiber. You know, think of something like a Brussels sprout. It's not really a starchy food, but it's still carbohydrate. But that's why, you know, there's there's a, it's called a low carbohydrate diet because you can still eat those foods. You can eat spinach, you can eat zucchini because they are carbohydrate foods, but they're just so low in carbohydrate, you know, compared to something starchy like a bagel or a, you know, a bowl of pasta. So one of the things that a lot of people uh, experience as a barrier are actually two things. Um, So, for example, a lot of people have gone on the Atkins diet. They've got wonderful results. Uh, They go visit their doctor uh, doing this lifestyle approach, and they're told, no, this is not something that is sustainable or something that should be done long term. And then the other barrier is, what does the plate look like? How do you formulate 
a low carbohydrate diet on your plate and translate that into real life. And I was wondering if you could speak to those two barriers that a lot of people uh, face when they come to this lifestyle. Well, I'll take the first one, the, the doctors. As a doctor myself, 20 years ago when I was first confronted or, or exposed to two of my patients who did this diet, my initial reaction was bad. And today, still doctors will have that initial reaction that it's bad if they don't know about it, if they don't understand it. We're trained to kind of be um, uh, against or, or very skeptical about things we're not taught. So, but for me, over the last 20 years, uh, yes, I've been generating a lot of the science and teaching other people, and, and I teach other doctors. I've been teaching at the Obesity Medicine Association now for over 10 years, so I've taught many other doctors, and uh, Dr. Atkins was actually one of my teachers. So uh, not, I wouldn't say I do, the, it's not the Atkins diet, we, but it definitely influenced me and influenced uh, Amy in terms of how we wrote this book. We, we don't say fats are bad and, and uh, we don't say sugar is evil, you know, we don't demonize anything, uh, which is different than the Atkins approach. I mean, I remember he was kind of a doctor basher, you know, he, he had a, a radio show in New York City and I sat in his office when he did a radio show and he said, don't go to your doctor, they're evil. And I, no, that, that's not... That's not our, my approach, it's, but certainly he was on to something in terms of the, a diet that was effective. And when you really asked him how he got into it, he read a paper in the Journal of the American Medical Association when he was a young doctor, which got him onto this. And it was really the field that changed into fat is bad and demonized it and, and now foods that say heart healthy when they're cereal and all this. And so... And the long story short, if, if a doctor has a, an issue with this, they really haven't kept up with the science and they really haven't kept up with organizations that are now expounding that it's a good thing. Even the American Diabetes Association says a low carb diet is fine. So, uh, so, but I know that's still a sticking point for a lot of people today, even in my area where I've practiced for 15 years using this approach. So you just have to politely uh, sometimes say, well, doc, I have to agree to disagree with you on that one. Or, you know, can I send you a book called End Your Carb Confusion? You know, can I, you know, have you heard of Dr. Westman? Have you heard of Duke? You know, even uh, the Cleveland Clinic now is using the keto diet uh, with Dr. Mark Hyman and their group. So, um, you know, it's great to uh, get your opinion, but I'm, you know, having great results with this. Now, I, I guess if it's a doctor who, knew the term Atkins or knew that name or knew of Dr. Atkins, you don't want to use that term. It's almost like a, an allergy or, or a button you push. Oh, that can't be good. So you want to use something smoother like, you know, Andrew Carp Confusion or, or the, uh, uh, you're doing the Mediterranean diet. That's a, a great way to say it because most doctors have been taught that a Mediterranean, oh, well, that's a good diet. And then they won't say anything anymore because actually you can't define a Mediterranean diet very well. Um, other than you have fats and you have oils and you have very little carbohydrate. But uh, <laughs> so a, a lot of research since a lot of doctors were trained uh, about low carb diets and it turns out that it's healthy. I think a low carb and a keto diet, these are healthy ways of eating for anyone, whether you have medical problems or not. Uh, uh, it's just healthy. It's just food. 
And I wanted to just follow up with a quick question. I saw you on the Keto Adapted Conference. You gave an excellent presentation. And one of the things that struck me most about that presentation was back in the 1920s, low-carbohydrate diets were used in the treatment of diabetes. And then somehow during history, got lost in translation. And then you had mentioned a paper from 1980. And then there was essentially silence until the early 2000s. And you started publishing your research along with um, other prominent researchers like Dr. Bernstein. And I was just wondering if you could speak to how the evidence has evolved and what the emerging evidence has taught us about low-carbohydrate diets in terms of heart disease and cholesterol and some of the myths that still persist um, in society regarding that. Yes, you know, when I was doing my first study at Duke, one of my patients brought in this book. She was a, a used bookstore owner, and she said, Doc, I know you're, you're kind of a history buff. I thought you'd like to have this book. And it turns out it was the Osler textbook of medicine from 1923. And, you know, I looked at it, it's all tattered and brown, and, you know, and I look at it and I wonder what they were doing for diet back then. So this was, you know, 1998 and looking back 1923, turns out that it was 10 grams of carbohydrates, total carbohydrates for the day, not per meal, not, you know, it was a low carb diet. You know, you'd say there was a keto diet was being used to treat diabetes in 1923. And, and I, so I go back and I, I have the ability to travel and teach this all over the world. And while I was in Montreal, I visited the library of Dr. Osler. They have at McGill, the Osler Library, it's where he practiced. And so I go back and go into the used book uh, chamber where they, they make you wear gloves because the book is so old. They don't want your oils on your, your hands to get out of the book. And it turns out uh, Lady Osler, his, his wife, Dr. Osler's wife, had the original book from the 1880s. And this was like the fifth edition, I think, by 1920. And even then, so in all, for 50, it turns out for 100 years, Doctors were using low-carb diets to treat obesity and diabetes, you know, from the late 1800s to about 1970. And so what happened, and many of us lived through it, was this kind of demonization of fats, and it was out of bad or weak science that now has been debunked. But what happened is that it got into all the organization guidelines and companies started making foods that said fat's bad and sugar's good. And so here have all this candy because it's low fat. And what happened is the diabetes and obesity epidemic that's affecting the entire world happened as a result. Uh, so uh, it was well, it was surprising for me to see this book and yet reassuring that when I was studying this radical high-fat diet of Dr. Atkins, that actually, no, it was really something that had been used for a long time and just forgotten. Uh, but um, how you shorten that for your, your doctor is, you know, well, I feel great. You know, the, the blood tests are fine in just about everyone. So one of the patients I had who had success uh, asked uh, to have my blood or had to have his blood checked because I said, well, I read that book and your cholesterol is going to go up. I knew it, you know, because everyone knew it, right? And he said, well, why don't you check my cholesterol? And I thought, well, okay. So I checked his cholesterol and it was better. <laughs> so actually now we know that most people have improvements 
the vast majority of people have improvements in their cholesterol readings, even though the doctors know that it'll be bad for the cholesterol. But no, we, so we don't know. We were all taught that it would be, but the science says actually just about everyone's cholesterol gets better. Of course, everyone's blood sugar gets better, the A1C gets better, so many other things. But through the you know the lens of 20 years now, uh, I don't I don't even worry about the cholesterol anymore. Occasionally, it'll go up a little bit, and doctors freak out. And I joke that maybe I have to send your doctor a, an anti-anxiety pill the next time you see them <laughs> because you know it, um, if everything else is better and there's just one little LDL cholesterol that's abnormal, you know, please give me a break. It's not that important. Yes, and hopefully science will begin uh, and medical practice will begin to catch up with this emerging evidence and the great science that's out there because low-carbohydrate diets are helping a lot of people. And that's a question I have for you, Amy. One of the things I appreciate about you so much is you're able to break this down so simple for people to be able to apply into their life in terms of affordability and sustainability. And I was just wondering if you can share your knowledge and speak to that. How do people implement this in real life? What does that look like? Right, so you asked about the plate, like what a plate should look like, and I guess that's a, an easy place to start. Um, and, and first, we, we can differentiate between low carb and keto or ketogenic. A, a ketogenic diet is just a low carb diet that's extremely low in carbs. You know, you can you can do a lowish carb diet. Maybe you don't eat, you know, you don't eat pasta and bagels and potato chips and rice. But you know, maybe you still have a piece of fruit now and then, or some hummus and some beans. So that's kind of a spectrum as to the total amount of carbohydrate you're having for the day. When you go ketogenic, it's just the extreme low end of carbohydrate intake. So for either of those sort of approaches to diet, your plate is um, de depending, you know, the more the further you are from the kind of health you want to have, the, the stricter your diet should be, at least when you're starting, because the, the more strong an approach you need to get back to better health. So um, we, we like to recommend that you, you make protein the focus of your meals, which surprises people because on keto, fat is usually emphasized so much, but the fat especially if, if one of your goals is losing body fat, if you're very overweight or you have obesity, we want more of the fat you're going to burn to come from your own body. So eat fatty meat. You know, you're, you're finally, this is a diet where you can eat bacon and you can eat the chicken skin and you can eat a fatty steak and a, a nice juicy pork chop. So you can eat fatty meat, but you don't have to add lots of extra fat to it. So, you know, put a generous portion of protein on your plate, whether that is beef or pork or seafood or poultry. So you, you can do this if you're kosher or halal, if you don't eat pork or shellfish, if you're allergic to eggs, whatever it is, you can completely personalize and customize this as long as you keep your carbs low. Um, you can even do it as a vegetarian, although that's a little more difficult. You know, you may make sure you get a lot of eggs and a lot of uh, cheese maybe, you know, to get, get some more of that protein or, or you know, other high, high protein dairy, but fatty protein. And fill the rest of your plate with those non-starchy vegetables, the, the leafy greens or bell peppers, radishes, cucumbers. Um, but depending on 
how severe your health issues are, that will determine how much of those carbohydrates you can have. And it's, you know, this, this way of eating is, is unique in that most other diets, there's really no limit on, you know, on the veg, have as much salad as you want, have as much broccoli. And, and to some extent, I mean, let's be real, no one ever became obese or got diabetes from eating too much spinach. But if you have a massive metabolic problem now, in order to reverse that problem, you might need an approach that seems extreme. But once once you are restored to better health, you might be able to very gradually reintroduce some of those foods. And that's we walk you through how to do that in our book. And that's that's unique in the keto and low carb book world in that we we absolutely recognize that you you can do a very, very low carb or keto diet for the rest of your life if you want to. But if you maybe don't want to be quite that strict for the rest of your life, there might be some wiggle room for you to reintroduce small amounts of not just vegetables, but even the things like beans and bread and rice. You know, it's it's a very individual thing, but we describe how to um, how to figure out where your individual level should be. So with that, how would somebody go about figuring that out? Because one of the barriers a lot of people struggle with, and which is a hot topic, is food addiction. So with the processed food, if, if you are obese, and I, I'm guilty of that too due to uh, food allergies, I was eating a lot of processed food. And it's so hard to detox yourself from that food, all the baked goods, the, the sweets. How does somebody even go about doing that because just going cold turkey does not work uh, for most people. This is a daily struggle. Uh, people are struggling with hunger. Their hunger is not satisfied. And I was just wondering if, if you can speak to that. Well, in End Your Carb Confusion, we do recommend that people start at a very low carb level to begin to just see what it's like to not eat carbs. So it's like a, a toe in the water, so to speak. Um, or we, what we do is we allow you to, uh, well, help you through a table of uh, check boxes to, if you have different circumstances, uh, we don't ask people to get blood sugars and insulins and things like that. It's more, you know, what is your weight? Do you have any of these other um, health issues that go along with carbohydrate intolerance or insulin resistance? And we, you don't have to know what those are, but so we'll have you go through these check boxes. And if you're in a certain category, there, we sort you into th one of three different carb levels. And in general, the type of foods are gonna be the same, but the more carbs you can have and the more vegetables and, and more starches you can have up to a level, you know, from zero to 20 per day up to 150 a day if you're otherwise healthy and active. And, but, you know, if, if um, most people who have a health issue are going to be more around probably the 50 to 20 grams a day for a while until that health issue gets better. Uh, but um, we do encourage people to start the kind of all or nothing uh, 20 grams or less for that reason of actually carb addiction. You, you won't know that carbs make you hungry unless you stop them all. So I've had people come to me remarkably improved after just a couple of days saying, you know, I had no idea it was the carbs that made me feel hungry. I had no idea that, you know, you you 
crave the things you eat, and when I didn't eat them, I don't crave them. <laughs> so I, I've come up with this sort of, you know, duh um, way of, of putting it is that, uh, you know, ask me if I crave fruit. And then, you know, if someone says, well, do you crave fruit, doctor? I say, well, no, I don't eat fruit. And I, what, you don't eat fruit? No, no, the point is I don't crave it because I don't eat it. So then I'll turn it around and say, do you crave cigarettes? I know they're not a smoker, so I, do you crave cigarettes? Well, no, I don't smoke. See, you crave things that you are doing and smoking and, and sugar and carbs are very similar in that way. Yeah, you don't have to smoke, but you don't have to eat the sugary you know, junk foods either. So actually that processed food addiction is quite common. And you might have to stay away from those processed foods, you know, like all or nothing for a while or, or even, you know, um, if you feel much better without them, you don't ever really have to eat them. <laughs> so I think this is one of the first books, hopefully there'll be many that do address sugar addiction and help to understand uh, and come to grips with that if you are a sugar addict. And then one of the other questions I just wanted to follow up with is how would one go about measuring the carbohydrates? If, if they don't have a scale and, and they just want to keep this so simple, how would someone in real life track that on their plate? What are some of the strategies and suggestions that you have? Well, you know, from the medical standpoint, remember I'm a physician. I, I wasn't trained in the typical dietitian sorts of things that you would measure with cups and scales and Weight Watchers would teach you to, no. So basically you eat as much as you want of a certain set of foods without measurement at all. So these are the foods that have no carbohydrates in them because the carbohydrate is what raises the blood sugar, which raises the insulin. So you can have as much as you want without measurement. Well, the measurement is until you're comfortably full. You know, isn't that remarkable to use your bodily sensation as the measurement tool, not some external cup or teaspoon or so you eat as much as you want of the zero carb foods, the meat, poultry, fish and shellfish and eggs. And then when I was first uh, teaching this, I realized that my fist was the exact size of a measuring cup. So we even boil it down to just two fistfuls of this, one fistful of that and you're good to go. So actually the, one of the brilliance, uh, the, the simplicity of doing a keto or low carb diet is that there's very little measurement that you have to do in terms of external teaspoons, tablespoons and cups and all that. And the measurement becomes learning to trust your feeling of fullness and hunger, which, you know, is not trivial for a lot of people. And we talk about that as well, but it's very little measurement at all. Yeah, I think one of the nice things about the approach that we have is, for once, it's a way of eating where you don't have to have a food scale and a spreadsheet and an app and the craziness. Some people love that data. And if you want to do all that tracking, you can, but it's not required. You know, if you're a busy person and you're on the go and you've got stuff to do, or you're like me and you just love food, I am never going to bring a spreadsheet to my dinner table. I'm sorry, it's never gonna happen. <laughs> and, and you know, we, we want to provide someone, you know, people with an option where pe people are so dumbfounded because they're so used to, ha to having to follow a, a specific prescription with exact numbers. And our approach is like, no, if you follow these basic principles, 
you don't have to worry about the numbers. Now we do, we do of course have some troubleshooting in the book, like, okay, what if, if you're not getting to your goal, then maybe you have to stop and look, okay, well, how much am I eating? Maybe I am eating a lot more than the basic blueprint calls for. Um, but that to me is just one of the, this, this way of eating is supposed to be simple. It's supposed to be easy. We had to write this book because other people have made it out to be so complicated and confusing and expensive. You know, you were saying, how do, how do people do this in their life? Well, if you have the budget for all grass-fed and organic, pasture-raised farm, you know, farmstead meats, by all means, support that kind of farming and that kind of agriculture. I, I work at a local farm. I'm all for that. But that's not affordable for a lot of people. And the beauty of this way of eating, and, and Dr. Westman proves this in his clinic every day. He's got patients of all socioeconomic levels, all education levels. You don't need a PhD to understand how to do this. You don't need a million dollars. Um, you can eat whatever quality food you can afford, including just whatever's on sale at the local discount chain. As long as you keep the carbs low, you're going to get the metabolic benefits of this way of eating because the what what makes this so beneficial for restoring health and losing weight is the metabolic switch of flipping your body from burning mostly carbs and sugar to burning mostly fat. And that comes from the makeup of the diet. It comes from the absence of the carbs. It doesn't come because the food is organic or it's free range or it's gluten-free. Um, and what else was I going to say? I just lost my train of thought, but yeah, it's, um, it's, it's so much simpler than people like, like when, uh, you know, I, I've been eating this way almost 20 years. Dr. Westman has been researching it for, for more than that. And when I was new, Facebook didn't even exist. YouTube didn't exist. There was the Atkins book. There was the protein power book. There was like one internet forum. It was very straightforward. And we are both completely dumbfounded by how crazy it's become. I really do not envy people listening to this right now if you're new to this, because if you're new and you're completely overwhelmed by all of the conflicting stuff out there, this one doctor says this, but this blogger wrote this, and I don't know about that. This, this is the book. Our, our book is the book I would want if I was new to this, you know, and it's, it explains it's scientifically sound, but there's no like crazy medical jargon in this book. It's plain English. It's very welcoming to all. It's not off putting in the, it's in the, in the sense that there's nothing in here that says, you know, your food does have to be organic or, um, it's just, we, we talk, you know, we, even we talk about the sugar addiction because Dr. Westman's right for, for many people, when they go very, very low carb, the biochemical change that happens in the body for many people, the sugar cravings completely go away. They, and, and people are amazed by that because they've never experienced it before. They, there are some people who are hungry all day long. And when they go super, super low in carbs, literally for the first time in their life, they can make it three or four hours between a meal without snacking. But if that doesn't happen, what if that magic doesn't happen for you right away? We do have some tips even there 
Because unfortunately, you know, in the low carbon keto world lately, there's also a lot of judging and a lot of shaming and moralizing like, well, what's wrong with you if you can't do this diet perfectly? Or why? Why do you have to have that sugar free tree? You shouldn't ever crave sugar. That's just not right. And we we address all of that. It's we 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 really try to meet people where they are and make this as realistic and doable for people as we can. What are some of the tips that you have when the lowering of carbohydrates is not working for people that are just so addicted to sugar? What what are what would be some of maybe your your top two strategies? Well, it's um not commonly known, but actually you can eat anything on a keto diet. It's just that if it has a lot of sugar and starch, you can't have much. <laughs> so there's a balance that every now and then you can have some things. So we teach people that you can test these things out. So, uh, you know, there's this all or nothing thinking that many people have. Well, you said I couldn't have peanut butter. Well, no, at first, I don't want you to have peanuts or peanut butter or nut flours, those things, because they're a trigger food for a lot of people. So, but if you can have a teaspoon or a tablespoon of peanut butter, how many carbs is it? You, so you, now you have to start counting the carbs and then every now and then, or maybe even every day, if you can limit the amount of that food, you can have it. I mean, and if you end up in a higher carb level, uh, you can have berries and things, the fruit flavor, rather than whole, you know, large pieces of fruit. <laughs> banana, you know, it's amazing. The eyes go up when pe people hear a banana has 30 carbs in it and an apple 20, you know, you know, because these are grams of, of carbs and very, you know, small units. But anyway, the whole carb awareness is interesting. And so one strategy is to every now and then have a food or a substitute for the food and realize that you can do it less often. Yeah, my, I, I might have a slightly different answer. I mean, the, the first thing is, is like we do recommend just rip the Band-Aid off. Just go super, super low carb because for most people, those cravings do go away. Um, and I recommend at least, we, we don't necessarily say this in the book, but during the transition period, even if you are dealing with obesity, even if one of your goals is losing fat, I don't want people to worry about the amount they're eating at all of the keto foods, of meat, poultry, eggs, even cheese, even things that are limited on our diet, macadamia, you know, like avocado, very, very high fat items. I would rather people eat as much of what they need to eat to be full if it's going to keep them away from the carbs, you know, but... We also, for, for me, my personal opinion, and we, we mentioned this in the book, is that, you know, in the ideal world, everyone gets broken of the sugar addiction or the desire for something sweet. In the real world where we live in, um, use, use these sort of, like, like Dr. Westman and I, abs, we're, we're kind of unique. We do not fear monger at all about artificial sweeteners or um, these, like he said, the sugar-free flavored things metabolically speaking if you have diabetes or pcos or or some other condition tied to you know high insulin or high blood sugar you are much better off eating a a sugar-free artificially sweetened protein bar or sugar-free candy or a diet soda 
then you are eating the real thing. So as a transition step for those who are truly addicted, that's an improvement. Get off the real sugar because at least having the artificially sweetened stuff may still perpetuate the the addiction to the sweet taste, but the metabolic effects in your body are very different. Drinking a diet soda is not going to jack up your blood sugar and insulin the way a regular soda does. So we're on the spectrum of good, better, best, let's move in the right direction. And using those sugar-free products and stuff, I think is one way to get there. And I love that approach because that's very empowering versus disempowering because with all of the information that is out there, it's so easy to feel like a failure um, in this lifestyle. And one of the other things I wanted to touch upon is some safety tips during that transition period. A lot of uh, people are on multiple medications for diabetes, blood pressure, uh, for their heart. And I was just wondering, Dr. Westman, if you could touch on that, what that transition period may look like in terms of medication management and things that patients should be aware of um, should they decide to do this without their doctor, which a, a lot of people do. Right. So after 20 years of using low-carb diets, in a clinical practice and teaching people who are on medicines, who are not on medicines, I think this is fine to do on your own if you're not on medicines. If you're on medicines and, and diabetes and high blood pressure medicines mostly, these may have to be adjusted on the first day of when you change the food. And, and then most people will, oh, well, yeah, right, the first day. No, I mean it, the first day. You may have to have a reduction in your insulin, for example, and depending on your blood sugar control, you risk having a low blood sugar on the first day that you stop eating carbohydrates. And the reason for that is that the medicine is titrated or adjusted to the amount of carbohydrates that you eat. So if you're on a certain insulin level, insulin shots, and and you're taking eating carbohydrates, the, I've had some people whose insulin is just treating the food so that they come off all of the insulin on the first day they do this. So if they're not given that heads up and, and you know, they, they, you know, I don't know, I don't wag my finger, but if they don't get the stern talk, you have to be really careful. If you start this and you're on insulin, you have to be measuring. And, and I love the idea some doctors are using continuous glucose monitors, but you can just always just check your blood sugar on your own with the finger stick method too. But so, yeah, please be careful. I um, teach a lot of people in my office and I've come to now say, that if you do this to your friends and family, because so many just so many people just it's word of mouth, they just teach everyone, they feel so great. I say you just have to be cautious if someone's on medicines, make sure they talk to a doctor who understands what can happen with this. That said, um, you know, I like these crazy metaphors. It's kind of like I'm selling or renting someone a motorcycle and and uh, then if they're on medications and and if you don't know how to ro ride a motorcycle the, the person who rents it may not care if you have, go and crash but i do <laughs> i don't i don't want you to have the, this tool now which is lowering the carbs because it's it's therapeutic it's it's uh, in the with medications I, i've taken people off 10 medicines with this and uh, unfortunately, doctors don't get trained that just changing the food can be so powerful. So now if your doctor doesn't understand it, 
oh, or even is against it, you have to just find another doctor that is trained in how to do it. Uh, but uh, so don't worry about, you know, safety tips. Uh, I mean, we do talk about keto flu, which is a minor irritant, really, <laughs> and how to overcome that with some salt supplementation. We do want you to get through a transition as easy as possible. But the good news is most people don't get the keto flu. So don't let that be a barrier if you hear about that. Uh, but do be careful if you're taking medications. And that's truly empowering that a lot of the illnesses that we've been taught are just going to be a chronic part of your life are actually reversible and coming off medication is actually a possibility for a lot of people, uh, which is good news because medications cost a lot of money. Uh, as a pharmacist, I, I see people going bankrupt um, over this. So thank you so much for including that, that tip there. Another thing I wanted to touch on is many people feel that in order to lose weight and turn their health around that they have to exercise. And they have to spend hours in the gym doing that to get a result. And diet is a huge component of that. And what you're telling us is that this is possible. And for people that have mobility problems, I just want to empower people that may not be able to make it to a gym right now or be able to exercise due to mobility and health problems that you can do a lot with your nutrition alone. And I was just wondering if you could speak to that component. Yeah, in fact, so end your carb confusion is really 100% diet. You can accomplish all of these things just by changing the diet itself. And um, I didn't really fully understand that as a doctor, we're taught that, well, it's 80% diet, 20% exercise. No, I have people who come to me in wheelchairs one woman who did a YouTube video with me you know, after signing a form, uh, she had a spinal cord injury and, and is in a wheelchair now. And uh, she uh, easily loses 50 pounds and talks about it in her uh, video that she did. And so, no, be reassured that you don't have to exercise to lose weight. You, uh, I've even had some people feel that that's a barrier to even thinking about losing the weight because they know they have to exercise to lose weight so they don't even try because they can't exercise so no you you can accomplish all of these things just by changing the food and um uh that there are a lot of misconceptions about diet and exercise and so we say things like you know the uh abs are, are made in the kitchen you know or or you can't outrun a bad diet uh you know so uh but in the clinical setting. I've seen people go from from um, wheelchairs to walkers and from walkers to walking and, and no exercise really is needed at all. So my approach is let's get you to get more energy, lose some weight. If you have weight to lose, you're going to start exercising on your own when you feel like it. I don't add that on and I don't want people to feel like they're not following the program because they can't exercise because it's really not necessary. And from, from my personal experience, and I, I think yours too, Nevada, I know some of your story and, and certainly probably a lot of the people listening, we already spent years exercising and it didn't get us anywhere. So we, we already know from our own life experience 
exercise, you know, I ran two marathons and I'm a turtle. I mean, I dragged my butt across those finish lines, but like, so I was healthy. Maybe I was fit. I had endurance. I had mobility. I, it did not help me lose an ounce of body fat. So I do, you know, I think, I think Dr. Westman and I both think exercise can be helpful for health, certainly for mental health. It's a really good, they call it nature's antidepressant, um, but it is not a weight loss tool. And so, you know, if, if somebody's already exercising, don't, don't stop, don't let us discourage you from it, but you can absolutely get all of the health benefits, including reversing, you know, so many of those conditions through the diet alone. And, and like I said, we know this. How many years did we all already spend on treadmills, literally and figuratively going nowhere? So we know, we know exercise doesn't really help that much with fat loss. Yes, and this has been such an empowering episode in your book that is just a how-to manual for the average person, uh, what to do. You don't have to have a science background. Uh, you don't have to understand what all these terms are. And that's one of the things that I appreciate so much uh, about this book. And I'm just wondering, in closing, to, if you guys could summarize the key points that people uh, should take away from this episode and from the book? Well, the big picture view for me after 20 years of research, uh, there's been a, a paradigm shift or a pivoting and we don't think fat in the food is the bad thing anymore. You know, so no demonization of fats and and really it's uh, the consensus is coming around slowly, but the the world is changing now in the nutritional uh, sense of health that it's really the sugars that and the processed foods that are the harmful things. So big picture view, don't worry about the fat in the food and and it's time to start limiting and you don't have to do keto, but start limiting the big sugar items in the diet and the drinks. Yeah, I think um, the the main the main takeaway is that carbohydrate reduction really is very effective, and the level to which you need to reduce the carbs depends on your situation. What what is your health? How much weight are you looking to lose, if any? And I mean, what what we want people to get from the book the most is that this is actually very uncomplicated. It's very straightforward. When you stick to the the proven, literally clinically proven research, proven method that works, it's very simple. And it's it's you don't have to spend a fortune to do it. So. You guys have your book coming out, and I will put the links in the show notes for everybody. Uh, what other projects do you have uh, coming up? I know, Dr. Westman, I saw you have some online classes. Where can people find you and the resources that you offer to learn more about this and to share with their doctors? Yes, for a greater detail of low-carb diets and keto specifically, Adapt Your Life Academy has just launched a Keto Made Simple masterclass. So if you go to adapteyourlifeacademy.com, you can learn about the details. And we have a limited time that you can sign up because we're going to be offering three weeks of follow-up as you get started. So if you're ready to dive in to learn about keto and do it, this is an opportunity that will probably come once a month or so. We'll open the doors, get people in, train them up, 
it's we call it the nest method because we're having a teaching you in the nest and then you fly. <laughs> so check out adaptyourlifeacademy.com. And then how about you, Amy? I know you have a blog and a YouTube channel. Where can people find you? Yeah, thanks. Um, my uh, my handle pretty much everywhere is Tuit Nutrition, T-U-I-T Nutrition. So that's my uh, that's my handle on Twitter. That's the name of my YouTube channel. My website is uh, com. And I I had to say the www because there's we've had a little hiccup. And if you just put com, you'll actually get an error message. You have to put in the www and um, I have a, another book out. It's called The Stall Slayer that's specifically about breaking a fat loss stall on a low-carb or ketogenic diet. And that's uh, you can find that on Amazon or at the website stallslayer.com. Yes, and you also have The Alzheimer's Antidote, which is a fabulous book. I, I recommend that to um, all of my patients and families that Thank have a loved you. one so with, with Alzheimer's. Um, so I just, I have to give that a plug uh, because it was so well-written and researched, Amy. Oh, thank you. you. And see, I don't plug job. it because it's the one that's the most, well, depending on your goals, it could be the most boring, but it's, I, yeah, thank, thank you so much for, for telling people about it. <laughs> Yes, I couldn't let that go by without not saying anything. So thank you guys so much for your time today. I know our listeners are going to obtain a lot of value from this. And uh, when will the book be officially released? December 15th, 2020. December 15th. So watch for that in bookstores. And again, we will put the links for the Amazon pre-order. So make sure you guys uh, snag yourself a copy. All right, guys. Take care and have Thanks a great so day. Much. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you for listening to the Mind Body Breakthroughs podcast. We are now available on iHeart Podcast and all of your favorite podcast listening platforms. As always, hit the subscribe button and leave us a review. We love hearing from you. If you're interested in being a guest on our podcast, send us an email, link in the show notes.